welcome back to the Love Your Story podcast. I have a question for you. What is your impossible? What boundaries have you set on yourself for how far you can go? It's commonly acknowledged that we set our own limits on ourselves, and this idea of redefining impossible got really serious with today's guest, James Lawrence, a.k.a. the Iron Cowboy. James got the nickname after he started wearing a cowboy hat during the marathon portion of his Ironman races, so he could easily be identified by his five children. Originally from Calgary, Canada, he now lives in Utah with his wife, Sunny, and their kids, and he has two Guinness World Records under his belt. James and his family attempted to take his endurance even farther and do something every person deemed impossible. Complete 50 Ironmans in 50 consecutive days in all 50 states. Did he do it? Stay tuned to find out. And let's talk about redefining impossible. are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Story power serves you best when you know how to use it. When James announced his plan to complete 50 Ironmans in 50 consecutive days in all 50 states, everyone thought he was crazy. An Ironman consists of a 2.4-mile swim, a 112-mile bike ride, and a 26.2-mile run. That's a marathon. In Lawrence's case, he would have to complete those distances and then make it to the next state in time to do it all over again the very next day. Even Lawrence's coach didn't think that it was possible. When I met James Lawrence, he was standing in the Real soccer box, raising funds and selling his book titled Iron Cowboy. I got a copy that night and started reading in the following week. And all I can say is, holy shit, that was one painful, crazy ass, unbelievable journey. This book is the story of his Herculean 50-day journey and all the wonderful, miserable, and life-threatening events that happened along the way, as well as a glance at his life leading up to the mission and winning two prior world records. Lawrence holds these two world records in the Guinness Book of World Records, one for completing 22 half marathons in one year, and that was in 2010, and one for completing 30 full Ironmans in one year, and that was in 2012. In 2015, he started out on this crazy quest to set a record for completing the 50 Ironman distances in 50 states in 50 days. And along the way, Lawrence survived tropical storms, internal bleeding, hypothermia, hyperthermia, dehydration, nerve damage, infected foot blisters, a blood clot scare, extreme sleep deprivation. He only got four or five hours of sleep each night between each of these Ironmans and a bike crash where he fell asleep on the bike. That's why he crashed. So let's hear about this in detail from James himself, the Iron Cowboy. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. Awesome. Hello, and thank you for having me. 
I'm excited to hear your take on all of this because that book is one wild ride. My first question for you is why? Why would you do this to yourself? Yeah, yeah, totally interesting question. One thing that people say to me is, what are you running from? Like I have some dark past or secret or something and I'm trying to escape it. And the reality, I'm not running from anything. I'm running towards life and adventure and fun and um, discovery, trying to find out what my limits are. Um, When I finished the world record in 2012, yes, it was hard. And it was the hardest thing I'd done at that moment. But on the the cusp of uh, accomplishing it, I found myself slightly unsatisfied. (laughs) I wanted to know what would happen if I reached some mental and physical limits. And so I came up with literally the hardest thing I could think of. And that was the 50. Did you reach your limits? Yeah, I believe to my satisfaction, I absolutely did. I, uh, people ask me now, what's next? And uh, there is no physical or mental le- next that I am currently have on the calendar or agenda. I'm um, actually super glad to hear that because one of the things we do as humans is whatever goal we set, as soon as we reach that, we think we've got to set something that's harder and higher. Set up the and- yeah, there's a space where you just have to find happy and contentment with all the beautiful things that you've created. I don't know how much harder you could go anyway. Yeah, I, I don't think there are people. And, and for me, I mean, I got pushed into the speaking world. And over the last, you know, 12 months, I've spoken 30 countries. And for me, what's next is helping people achieve their impossible and, and define what that means for them. Super cool. I like that a lot. So in your book, you say, quote, How the heck do you do this every day? Starnes asked me. I heard this question often. People seem to want to hear something novel, some single nugget of wisdom that I alone had discovered. The truth was simple. I believe that it was always possible to take one more step, unquote. And then later in the book, you say, quote, my singular goal was to survive one more minute. That much I knew I could do. When the minute was up, I set the same goal for the next minute. After 327 minutes, I was done, unquote. So you have shown yourself, your family, the world, that you have tremendous discipline of mind and body. It's absolutely incredible the endurance that you can muster. Will you share with the listeners a couple stories that define this endurance for you during the 50? Oh man, there's, there's just so many of moments where you literally don't think you can take the next step and... You know, in life, we, we all hit lows, like low lows or dark moments. And, and we it's almost paralyzing where, where we don't feel there's an out. And for me, I learned early on with doing these challenges that the next step wasn't going to kill me. And it's OK to be low because that's just the, the ebb and flow of, of life. But I learned that motion creates emotion, right? Absolutely. And as soon as I figured out, OK, look, this is, is as low or as dark as it's going to be right now. And I don't need you to be perfect for a minute even. I just need you to be perfect for the next second and figure out and just start moving and see what that emotion feels like. And then once we journeyed past that, it was literally try to put together a minute, try to put together you know, a continual effort until, until we were able to perform a perfect Ironman. And the thing that people struggle with the most, I think, is trying to be perfect all the time. And the moment you realize that we are not perfect beings and that it's okay to stumble, the key is how quickly are you willing to get back up to try to be perfect again? So give us one of your stories. And of course, you've got 50 of them of one of these Ironmans. What did it feel like to do 2.4 mile swim 
what does that feel like? And then a 112 mile bike ride after, and then a marathon, and then to pile that one on top of another every day, how would you define it? What's a specific story that would show one of your days? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I can take you back to, to day number seven. We hit a deer in the middle of the night going from Nevada to Arizona. In 2012, uh, rewind a little bit, I, I pulled a boy in 2012 that has cerebral palsy with Dayton. His name is Dayton. And I pulled him through an Ironman and together we became, you know, we, we became Ironman. And I wanted to, to pull Dayton again in 2015, not realizing the level of exhaustion that we would be facing almost naively. And we arrived to Arizona after hitting the deer in the middle of the night and my the motorhome was wrecked and my body is wrecked and my mind is wrecked. If I stopped running, I'd need a push from behind or a pull from up front to get moving. I had to avoid curbs because they were so difficult to get up onto. And, you know, we show up on day number seven and I, I tore my shoulder on day number five in, in California. And so everything's kind of mounting to this pinnacle moment of, of difficulty. And I show up and Dayton's there. And uh, he's looking for an experience to be pulled through an Ironman. And, uh, you know, there's so many facets to this story. Even the wingmen, uh, they're two guys that came with me. They stepped up and started to help, you know, navigate with Dayton. It was just treacherous waters that day. I ended up biking extra distance on the bike course. And my feet got so swollen, I had to take them out and put them on top of the shoes. Basically, my feet had outgrown the shoes in a matter of six days. And uh, got to the run portion of it, put on some knee braces, cut off the circulation, ended up giving myself, you know, severe case of nerve damage and, and all these type of different things. Obviously, that was an extreme day and, and maybe not a typical day, but that was a, the peak of a difficult day and some of the challenges that we had to overcome in a less than 24 hour period and then figure out a way to, to get to the next state and wake up and, and do it again. That takes some grit. That takes some belief in the big picture, and that takes the realizing that literally the next step isn't going to kill you. Well, you said in the book, no matter how extreme my suffering became, it was only suffering. What do you think pushes you, like what you just explained, to make it through that in the first place is phenomenal, requires strength and endurance, but then to get up in four or five hours and start the whole thing again with all of those injuries, with all of that exhaustion, it really, really does just almost seem impossible. What is it that you have inside yourself that can make you push through that suffering that you, where you can say it's only suffering and somehow turn that off? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know that I have a, a specific thing. I, I think above and beyond belief in yourself and learning through experience how to manage and navigate through the pain and difficulty and suffering, we can all start at doing simple things because I talk about often how success breeds success and confidence breeds confidence. Mm. Um, and if we can start overcoming in some smaller adversities and fears and, and having success, then we can build upon that. And and I didn't just wake up with no experience and go, I'm going to go do 50 Ironmans. I mean, I started wrestling at 11 years old and, uh, and started to develop some mental toughness. But beyond just inward and gaining that experience, I think you have to surround yourself with a phenomenal team in order to do that. Nothing great is ever accomplished on our own. And so there's there's just so many facets to it. But once you get down a road and figure out how to manage pain and how to navigate some of those waters through experience. Because you're not just going to wake up one day and be mentally tough. You got to push and grow and learn and develop those skill sets, but it doesn't come on our own. You got to have a team surround you that has the same mindset, the same belief and the same willingness or desire to suffer with you or allow you to suffer as well. 
You got started with the idea of endurance during a Ferris wheel competition back in 1999. Tell us that story because wasn't that so you mentioned your wrestling when you were younger and learning, you know, some of that physical and mental endurance. Tell us what this Ferris wheel competition was and then how did that sort of work as a stepping stone into this endurance space? Yeah, I'm from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and Calgary's kind of world famous for the Calgary Stampede, which is a 10-day long rodeo and uh, basically a huge party. There was a radio show contest, and they were putting on just that, a contest to see who could ride the giant Ferris wheel for the duration of the Stampede. And uh, for me, it sounded like something I could do. I was in, I had an opportunity to, to get a position on the ride, and I just I did. I sat there for the next 10 days and just really honed in on the, the strength and power of the mind. And, and I learned a lot about myself and ended up winning some money. That, that's actually ultimately how I ended up in Utah. I, uh, I had one friend here from a mission that I'd served for my church and came to visit him in Utah and ultimately never went home. It's actually who the book is, is dedicated to because he, he passed away right before the 50. And so, yeah, it's, a, it's an emotional part of my story, but uh, a huge reason why I came to be here in Utah. So was that the first space where you started doing longer stretches of mental endurance? Was that, yeah, you yeah, talked about I, stepping stones, the rest sure. was kind of the first, and then this Ferris wheel experience and just your dedication to compete against the other people that are on this Ferris wheel with you, that mental determination you were going to do it? Yeah, I would say that was the first bigger thing that, that wasn't, I didn't set out to, you know, I, I was money driven <laughs> and uh, I needed, you know, I was young and $10,000 would have been insanely helpful at the time and really just kind of went on and on a whim. And I think that's when I truly discovered that I had, you know, some power over my mental status and being able to kind of endure, call it boredom or just control the mind with, with no, you know, entertainment to outlast and outwit there. Actually, one of my dreams is to get on Survivor. I think I could do really well at that show. I'm physical. I'm also mentally tough. And, and I believe I could navigate that relationship waters as well. Well, I'm sure. So, it's total it's- tangent. But I, anybody <laughs> listening there that has a connection to Survivor, I just need to submit my video and try to get in. But if anybody has any connections, that'd be awesome. I'm sure if you want to, you will do it. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So what was the next step then that took you along this endurance ride? I really like your point that we don't become uber strong out of the gate, that life's experiences, that one step at a time, we become stronger mentally, we become stronger emotionally, we become stronger physically by basically the workouts that we do. So, you know, when we struggle with something emotionally, while it may be really difficult, we are also strengthening ourselves and being able to move into handling emotionally tough situations better. I like that truth because it's not something we've necessarily talked about in that frame before. What was your next step after the Ferris wheel of even getting involved in Ironmans or marathons? Yeah, people see the headline without knowing the history behind it. And uh, I don't have a big endurance background. Like I said, I, I grew up wrestling and I did team sports and got into golf and absolutely still love that today. My journey started with a simple four mile fun run off the couch with my wife um, that I struggled through. I literally struggled through my first four miles and I had to teach myself how to swim. And so if you're sitting there on the couch and you're going, oh man, he's just, you can just do this because of, you know, him genetically. Mm-hmm. Not true, man. I'm as average as they come. And I made a decision. I believed in myself and I showed up every day. And, and that was the, that's the biggest difference. Anybody can accomplish what I did if they have patience and a, are willing to sacrifice in the right realms of their life. 
Does it amaze you when you look back at struggling through a four-mile run to what you just accomplished, the fifth project? I've had some friends that were around me at that time, and we have joked um, at length how the difference between that guy and the guy that crossed the finish line on the 50 and the the parallels between them and the, the lessons learned along the way and how I no way possible would anybody have predicted that that guy at the finish of that four mile fun run would have ended up um, having the type of career that I ended up having. It was just, you know, out of this world, really. Crazy difference. So tell me what the main difference is. Who was the guy that finished the four mile fun run and who was the guy now? That guy was broken and, and he didn't know. I mean, he was in a, in a world that he didn't understand and he just, he just needed to learn. He, he was just uneducated and, and not knowing. And I was like, man, I, how is it possible that so many people are in, out there enjoying the sport and, and doing all these fun things and having this lifestyle and I'm, I'm out here suffering and there must be something I'm missing and not learning. And so I started to ask questions and I started to do research and surround myself with people that, that knew more than I did. And I think that's, that's a huge piece of the puzzle is humbling yourself and saying, look, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to f- navigate these waters and I need to surround myself and, with people that know more than I do and start asking them some questions. I hope that the listeners are seeing the really direct metaphorical line here of your journey along this path and really the journey we have through life. For sure. So one of the quotes in your book that I really, really liked a lot because it's what I am doing on the podcast, which is sharing other stories to inspire people was, quote, we're not entirely on our own because we can draw inspiration to achieve our own impossible by seeing others conquer theirs. That's why I share these stories so that others can receive the inspiration from watching what you have done. So my question for you is, what ripple effects do you think your attempt to redefine impossible has had on people? And can you share some specific stories about that? Oh, man, it's so, I mean, it's why I... I don't love, I don't love speaking. I mean, it's, I love being at my home. I love working out with my friends. I'm not a big onstage guy, but I've just been pushed so heavily pushed into it. And there there was such a demand because of the impact that we're having just by the example that our family set of, of doing the story is really resonating with people. And I, I literally get emails every single day that are two categories. One, someone that's heard us speak, read our book or seen the documentary that have said, I've had a mind shift and this is what I've accomplished since doing that. And then others that have said, Hey, this is my dreams and aspirations. This is what I want to do. Can you help me map out a game plan to figure this out? I'd like to achieve these goals. Can you share some specific examples? of how it's pushed people to redefine their impossible? Oh, messages of people overcoming drugs, uh, tackling their their alcohol problems, dealing with marital issues. I mean, it's just amazing because it, it crosses over into every realm of life because everything is mental strength. It doesn't have to be a physical challenge. It can be overcoming the mental aspects of things. And people all the time say, man, if he can wake up the next day and do an Ironman, I can show up today and, and do my version of heart. Because everybody's heart is different, right? And, and that's okay. I, I mean, we're not all trying to accomplish the same thing and be the same person. So I get it. It's okay. So just, and then a lot of people say, hey, I want to I want to run across this mountain range, right? I'd like to bike across the whatever. Can you help me navigate that? What do I need to put into place? How do we get sponsors? How do we fundraise? All these type of different things. And so I really turned into kind of a a mentor in the space and it's a lot of fun helping people achieve these goals and really I mean that's the name of our book redefine impossible and our goal now is to help people redefine their version of impossible 
So are you working as a consultant then to actually help people put together um, yeah. sporting? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we run a couple of races that help challenge people's minds. That race series is on ironcowboyracing.com. Okay. But we coach athletes around the world currently with 10-day challenges that they're trying to do personally. With uh, We're coaching somebody right now that's going to attack some of our records. And so it's a lot of fun being part of that process. The records don't mean anything to me. It's about the journey and the struggle that people have and the lessons that they get to learn and the fears that they get to face. And uh, I, don't, I don't care if all my records fall because it's my journey and it was unique to me. And uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's not about accolades records. It's about experiences and the impact that, that we can have and continue to have. Absolutely. So on page 126 of your book, you say the good you do is not always the good you expected to do. That's really rang true with me. Can you tell me what that means to you? Yeah, it means to me, I never you know, thought I'd be a motivational speaker. Like I said, last year, I've spoken 30 countries. That, that just blows my mind and that, to have that impact. And so it, I just never expected that in my wildest dreams that that's where we would end up having impact. I didn't, I didn't, I always thought I'd work with athletes. Um, I didn't think I'd work with troubled youth and with, you know, people that struggle with addiction and corporations. I mean, I was just in Sri Lanka speaking to a thousand accountants. I had never in my wildest dreams that I think that that would be a, a platform that I would be in front of and reaching and, and trying to impact. Yeah, that's interesting. When you were out there on the 50s, what was the day where you had the biggest aha? And what was the moment that was hardest for you? Uh, I, you know, it, it was the most relevant or the most aha moment for me is obviously day 30 where where we had to shift all of our focus and attention i had to go inward i had to i had to let go and allow other people to truly step in and help and do their role on this team Um, it was the moment that i asked for right what when what do i do when i reach my physical mental limits and and, you know i just laid there on the side of the road and and was crying uh, just because everything hurt so bad and all the focus and attention was on all the wrong things and i was trying to control everything and and once i kind of let go and that was the moment where i had to figure out how to be perfect for one minute and put all of that perfection Mm -hmm. together and and try to be as hyper focused as as i can be to get through it but i also knew that if i could figure out how to do be that present and get through the next 20 that life would be different the impact that we would have would be different and and we would go on to hopefully impact and change people's lives were you able to maintain that state of allowing and release absolutely yep once we made that the pivotal shift the crew started to change we changed we ended up those last 20 were our fastest 20 of all 50 fastest meaning the fastest times or they just went more smoothly all of it more smoothly, fastest times, higher performance, better experience, uh, every realm possible. So, what did you let go of just to get more specific? Control. I focused on what I was supposed to do. I was allowing my team to do what they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I stopped focusing on the negative things and focused on the things that I could control. As a society, we're so worried about everything that we can't control and, and uh, it gets out of hand. And then we start really focusing on things that don't matter and, and caring about what people are saying and allowing that to impact us. And so as soon as we made those shifts, then it, then everything completely shifted and changed for us. So with any worthwhile project or any project, there always seem to be haters involved. How did you deal with, how did you deal with that when that sort of thing came up and what kind of resistance did you end up getting? 
Uh, we, we got every form of resistance from us being accused of cheating to logistically doing things wrong. I mean, you name it, charity fraud, all of it. And it, it, we talk about all of it in our documentary. But you just have to realize that the impact you're having is greater than the, the negative people out there. You, and you're not going to change them wrong. I, I had to shift my attitude from trying to prove other people wrong and just prove myself right. And that's kind of what happened on day 30 is when we made that shift to stop trying to prove everybody wrong, try and stop trying to combat everybody on long and shift their perception because we're all on unique journeys and they're, you know, the saying of you can't judge a man until you've walked a, a mile in his shoes. And well, you can't judge our campaign until you've taken a step in our shoes. And so we just had to learn to believe in us and know that what we were doing was the best for us and to really not listen to anything that was happening around us. So once you sort of shut out the haters and didn't worry about it, did it feel like the voices got more intense or did they sort of fall away or did it just become inconsequential to you? What change did you see? Yeah, we saw massive change in the fact that they went away because we're no longer focusing on them. And they went away in the fact that we weren't giving them attention. They were still there and they were loud as can be. But in life, you get back what you give attention to. And so we started focusing on all the things that were relevant, that we cared about, that had impact in a positive way. And all the negativity was still there, but we gave it no energy. You know, this is so interesting because I kid you not, a half hour ago, I was having this same conversation with my cousin and she was talking specifically about uh, her divorce that she was going through. But this applies in any of life's challenges as we've been discussing here. Your journey is metaphorical for any of our individual impossibles and difficult spaces. But it was this concept of... When I was trained in transcendental meditation, we would do Friday night meditation groups and I had arrived to one session early and there was another gentleman there who was in the group. And as we started talking, I discovered that he had been all over the world to these main gurus that had taught various types of meditation and he'd studied with them. And I can't remember how it got brought up, but I brought up this idea of at the time I'd been working with a client who was really toxic and they would threaten me and they would just make, they were making my life miserable because I wanted them to be happy with the experience, but they were filled with a lot of hate and a lot of resistance and things that I didn't find out their reasons until later down the line. But, you know, I was saying to him, I can't distance myself from this. I'm under contract with these people and I need to stay there. And he throws this pen at me. And I, of course, try to catch it. And he says, it doesn't matter what people throw at you. You don't have to catch it. Yeah. And I thought, okay, that was, that was a great lesson. But on top of that, he gave me this visual of there's a fire and the haters and the negative people of the world, they build this fire, but they build it with the energy of creating these negative vortexes. And then they send it out to people. And if people respond at all to it, it adds fuel to these fires and the fires get bigger. Even if the responses are benign, any energy that you give to them builds and fuels what they're trying to do. So the best case scenario, really, if you don't want to be engaged in that kind of negative space is to add absolutely nothing, no energy, no attention to those fires. Yep. I couldn't agree more. And as soon as we shifted and stopped giving them the energy and attention, they went away from our perception. Yeah. You said earlier that really this whole thing is, you know, there's so much about our impossibles and our individual journeys that are mental. It's mental. I feel like life is 
all about the mental space anyway. We create our stories. We create our realities. Our perceptions is created really by ourselves. The things that we allow to bother us, the things we allow to stress us, what we will engage in, the fears that hold us back. All of this comes from what we allow and what we generate in our own minds. And that becomes so pivotal to the experiences that we have. Well, it's all ego too, because the more we have those conversations with ourselves and the things heighten and as, as depression grows or anxiety grows, then the perception of the problems increase. And, and the more we tend to hyper-focus on them and they escalate. And really when you take a step back and can be objective, they weren't that big of a deal to start with, but because of our circumstances, they just everything gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's why when you're doing a big challenge like this, or you're in a a big grind and trying to achieve a big goal, the importance to stay and keep even keel is super important because we're probably overhyping or over or underhyping something that's happening and putting too much value on it. And it can get out of control and spiral when when it was really something insignificant. And now your whole campaign is derailed when there was no need for it. Mm. Well, on page 101 of your book, you say the one thing I could control was my attitude. So I decided the predicament was a test rather than a setback. Unable to change my situation, I changed its meaning instead. This is a direct example of what we're talking about. Can you tell us about that situation where you changed the meaning instead? Yeah, I mean, I grew up in a good home. And uh, my mom, she always said, James, if if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. So if you want something different, do something different. And the do is, is a choice. And uh, I, I learned this lesson over and over again, because 10% of life, we've heard this too, 10% of life is what happens to us. And 90% is how we choose to react to it. And the things of life, the, the it is what it is, isn't going to change. I found myself on Mount Kilimanjaro. We were climbing our mountain bikes up there. We we're going to be the first group to do it. And my legs hurt, my lungs hurt. And, and I just, I was, I was angry with my decision to, to attempt this. And then I realized that the mountain was only 10% of the equation. The other 90% was how I chose to react to the mountain. Mm. And, uh, and once I did that, it, it turned into an incredible adventure and an experience that, that I'll never forget. But I could have missed out on all of that by focusing on the 10% that I really well, I can't control the, the mountain. So for everyone out there that is redefining their impossible or considering it, What parting words of advice do you have that you really like to share on this campaign of helping people redefine their impossible? Two things. Stop listening to everybody else and believe in yourself. Those two things um, will be so pivotal. And the other two would be realizing that the next step is not going to kill you and that eventually you have to stop planning and you have to start engaging Motion creates emotion. And once you start moving, that's when you truly start to figure it out because you'll never have the perfect plan. And ultimately, you'll end up planning your way to a failure if you cease to start. Thank you so much. Do you have anything else you want to add before we let you go? No, but just thank you so much for having me. I guess I will say that if people do want the book, they can they can grab it oh, yeah. online. Uh, it's on Amazon. Uh, we also do the coaching. It's on teamironcowboy.com. The documentary is free on Amazon Prime. Check that out. It's a very different experience than the book. Both have impact if you want to figure out how to how to become unstuck through our journey and redefine your impossible. Then it's a great read. It's a great watch. And then again, reach out to me on social media. Iron Cowboy James, ask me any questions. I answer all of them. And so I'm very engaged and active with my audience. 
Great. I'm glad you brought that up. And I will have all of those links and his social media links in the show notes on the website at www.loveyourstorypodcast.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. Absolutely, James. Thanks for being here. Okay. Bye, Laurie. Bye-bye. After this feat, Sports Illustrated ranked James in the top 50 fittest freaks with the likes of LeBron James and Conor McGregor. Red Bull declares that when it comes to endurance, he is unstoppable. And Success Magazine named him the most enduring man in the world. He has literally redefined the definition of impossible. Your challenge this week, listeners, is to start to look at the boundaries that you have placed on yourself. How can you blow past those? How can you fight the pain or the fear or the stories that sit between you and what you thought was possible for you? If James Lawrence can push through the unimaginable mental and physical pain and discipline required to do 50 Ironman races in 50 days, and let me tell you, his book goes into a lot of detail. To me, it is page after page of suffering. That was not an easy thing for him to do. But if he can do that, we are certainly capable of looking at this example and digging deep into our own wells of endurance. Look at your self-created boundaries and choose one this week to show it who's boss. Choose one this week to challenge and just remove it. Get it out of the way. Thanks for tuning in today for his fantastic story. And if you like the show, please take a minute and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Intune or wherever you're listening to this. Those reviews mean a lot to us. It makes a big difference for us podcast folks because it helps to rank our shows and we appreciate that. Put a lot of effort into the show. So share the love people and go out and create your best life story on purpose and I will see you next week.